Hello and welcome to My Biggest Lesson, the show that brings you the key learnings from the most influential founders, executives, and investors in the Colorado tech community. My name is Adam Burrows. And I'm Chris Erickson. Together, we are the co-founders of Range Ventures. An early stage venture firm based in Denver. You can find out more about what we're up to at range.vc. Our guest this week is Ben Wright, CEO and founder of Velocity Global. Ben founded Velocity in 2014 as a revolutionary way for companies to expand and hire across global markets, and he's grown it into a behemoth, bootstrapping the company to over $100 million in revenue and achieving a multi-billion dollar valuation in 2022 with a $400 million series. Ben, thanks so much for joining us today. What a treat and a pleasure to be here. Well, I'd love to start by hearing a little bit about the company that, that you've founded and have grown to one of the most recent Colorado unicorns in Velocity. Happy to tell you about it. Company's called Velocity Global. We pioneered and have created tech platform that allows companies to literally employ people anywhere. 185 countries, all 50 United States. And it is a platform that allows you to, you know, source employment contract, onboard, pay, payroll, benefits, everything literally soup to nuts. So it enables that to happen. But one of the, the coolest things that we do is we truly simplify work anywhere. And so as we think about kind of the future of work and where all these companies are going, you know, as companies are going to start rehiring you know, unfreezing hiring plans coming up, you know, creativity in terms of where you find that talent is going to be paramount. That's what this platform allows. And it's even cooler when you think about it from the employee perspective, you know, it doesn't matter under which postal code I was born or happen to live, you know, I can access really great opportunities for great brands anywhere on the planet. So that's what we do. How'd you start the company? I... (laughs) I spent about six months trying to convince my wife that it's a good idea to leave my good paying job and go 18 months without a salary. And then I, you know, for $5, because I love the state of Colorado, for like $5 and about five minutes, I registered my company with the state of Colorado. I took the plunge and we bootstrapped it. By bootstrap, it meaning, you know, my wife who had a full-time excellent job, a really, really top 10 salesperson nationally for the biotech that she worked for. You know, through her salary, we we're able to kind of just tighten our belts and uh, go 18 months without without pay and, and launch this thing. But yeah, bootstrapped it back in 2014. And I would imagine, Ben, given what you do, that COVID was probably a pretty big accelerant. What kind of changes did you guys have you seen from that? Definitely an additional wind at our sales. This was a hot market to start right? And a hot industry. Again, it didn't didn't exist before we launched this thing. It's been a hot industry to start. I mean, we ended up number four on the Inc. 5000. You know, we bootstrapped this business to nine figures of revenue pre-COVID, right? I mean, there's, there's a ton of kind of wind in our sails. But what was interesting is prior to the pandemic, it was really utilized for market expansion. If you were a company and you needed to put your first salesperson into a market or a region, or you needed customer support, or it was just kind of general expansion, we used it. What changed is 
you know, in COVID and in pandemic and everybody started working remotely, any work, any job opened up as a possibility. And so it was not only can I just go find the best talent anywhere, it was also some of your best people saying, you know what, I'd like to work in Costa Rica for a year, right? Or, um, you know, I'm from, we had a situation, we actually, one of our own employees worked for a big name brand and they said, you have to be in the Bay Area. And he happened to be from the Seychelles. And he said, you know, I miss my family and I really want my young kids to kind of be back there. Can I do my job from the Seychelles? And we said, 100%, right? That's what we do as a platform. And so that added an additional win to the sales, undoubtedly. And, and you said, Ben, that you bootstrapped the company for a long time, super impressively. But recently, I know you took a, a large round of funding. Love to just hear your thought process on, on that, right? Why you bootstrapped and ultimately why you recently made the decision to, to bring on some outside capital. We may need to have like a three-hour podcast on that topic. <laughs> I, I, like, I'm serious, like I'm not kidding. Our situation is really unique. So take it back to like the founding days. I remember getting two pieces of advice early on. You need a partner, right? You need like a co-founder and you need to raise capital. Those are kind of the two things I heard kind of right out of the gates. I didn't agree with the raising capital right out of the gates, but I did actually want to have a co-founder. But when I tell the stories, there were several people who said they were interested. And when it was time, I kind of looked around and they'd all disappeared. So, you know, there was always a reason, right? Ah, oh, not a good time. Or I can't, you know, convince my significant other or, yeah, you know, get back to me in a year kind of thing. So I ended up launching it myself. But in terms of funding, there's certain businesses that are really capital intensive. And there's also certainly businesses where you need to play catch up, right? Like maybe there's actually already a market or there's already a leader in that place, that space, but you've figured out something different or better that you can do. In our case, this model didn't exist. It literally was starting from scratch. I knew there was need out there, but there were no other competitors whatsoever. Nobody even knew you could do something like this. There was some interest in it, but nobody knew you could do it. But there just wasn't a lot of startup capital, right? I mean, the startup capital, honestly, was my own compensation. And so made that decision early on just to give it a go. More than anything, it was it was based on the fact that we had to determine that this thing, and I'm using the royal weight because honestly, it was just me for that first year, year and a half, determine whether this market and this product could even exist. Once we determined that... That's when you started thinking, all right, what's our what's our future and what's our plan? The first seven years of the business were bootstrapped. And again, as I as I mentioned, we went from zero to you know over a hundred million in revenue bootstrapping the business. We ultimately made the decision to look to outside capital. And again, we kind of did it in this weird reverse order. We went to a mid-market private equity firm first. And then the second round, which was much larger, kind of much more interesting, was more traditional venture capital, private equity. The first one was simply because we had an opportunity to consolidate the market. There were a couple of competitors out there that honestly, the, the combination of us were fantastic. And as a bootstrap business, we just didn't have the balance sheet ourselves to be able to do that. The next round in kind of more traditional VC, which was led by... Norwest Venture Partners, Eldridge. That was honestly because the market opportunity was just so big. And frankly, there was so much capital that was entering our space that we needed to ensure that we kind of kept up with the arms race. Yeah. So Ben, we'd like to shift gears a bit and talk about Colorado in the tech scene here. 
So we'd love to hear how you've seen it evolve since you started building here and what you're excited about going forward in the ecosystem. So I was born and raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Went to school in the Midwest, started my career in Silicon Valley. Okay, so, you know, you know, started my career in 1999, very tail end of the dot-com boom. And then, of course, the dot-com bust, but lived through a dozen years of Silicon Valley and learned a bunch there. And I came to Denver in 2010. And I remember when I landed, I looked around and I said, the job that I'm doing is interesting, but I should keep my options open. I want to look around and see what's happening in Denver, Colorado. And I had two immediate observations. One, there was nothing interesting happening in Denver, Colorado in 2010. With all due respect to the companies out there, I just couldn't find anything really fascinating, particularly coming from Silicon Valley. Two, I had a lot of friends and, and network in the VC and private equity community. I said, tell me what's going on in Denver. And in 2010, they all said, we don't touch it. We don't look at it. We have enough opportunities in San Francisco or New York. We look at the coast. We just don't look. In the next five years, you saw that start to shift and change. And I will tell you now, in 2023, it has changed significantly. One of the things Colorado is at a great job of is being business friendly. I always thought I'd frankly have to move my company back to San Francisco and quite the opposite. Like It's been a wonderful home for us in Denver, Colorado. One of the things they haven't done a good job at, honestly, is promoting just how much is done in the tech and VC community here, right? I remember hearing four or five years ago, Austin gets a lot of publicity around you know, the early stage community and the tech startup scene. There was actually more dollars invested in Denver and Boulder than there was in Austin you know, a year-on-year basis, right? But we just don't do the best job of kind of promoting that. So it's here, but a fundamental shift took place as well where, you know, venture capital, private equity actually started taking a look at the Colorado market and started investing. And I am pretty blown away at some of the talent that's coming out of, you know, this state of ours today. There's a lot of really cool companies in the last two, three years There's been, I actually don't know the number off the top of my head, but I bet there's probably been 10 or 12 unicorns in the state of Colorado. 19. 19. There you go. 19 unicorns, right? And I mean, that hadn't happened before. And and I mean, look, you know, look at a company like ours. Like I, I haven't looked at statistics recently, but I, you know, I suspect we're the fastest growing company in the history of Colorado. And frankly, we stack up against the growth of companies in, in most major markets around the world. This is a community where you can absolutely do it and access that capital. And more and more, it's building on that talent that helps support it. Yeah, Ben, it's interesting. You touched on a, a few points that we think about all the time. You know, One on the PR perspective, right? Like Denver consistently actually has raised more money, more deals, and grown faster than Austin. But we don't have anyone on Twitter that's yelling about it like other folks do, right? And so I think, you know, we do need some better PR, right? I think is the one thing the state is missing. And it's interesting you say sort of about nothing going on. I also moved from the Bay Area in 2019. So I spent about a decade in the Bay Area before moving here. And we actually had the exact opposite reason why we moved. And what we did is we sort of said, you know, there is so much now going on in Denver Tech because my wife also works in tech. We don't need to know what we're going to do here before we move. We'll move and then figure it out after the fact, right? Which is, I think, the exact opposite of what people thought a decade ago. So it's really exciting to be here and be part of that and see what's going on. Totally agree. 
Totally agreed. And and we can call out some of the most interesting companies that are, I, I think, that are here. You know, a couple, I, I don't know if, if folks know of these organizations, but a couple that really stand out for me, the company called Evolve Vacation Rentals, you know, such an amazing and cool company that is really taking that next step in terms of vacation rental, you know, vacation rental, it's kind of like the, the Airbnb, but next level in terms of what they can do, led by a, a great leader called Brian Egan. Unbelievable what those guys are doing and honestly probably fly under the radar more than they should. You know, this is going to be one of the next great kind of, you know, tech vacation rental plays. Another one, Scoopos. If you guys are familiar with Scoopos, led by an absolutely great leader as well by the name of Jake Bowling. Younger guy, but just absolutely killing it. You know, it's funny. It's not necessarily the quote unquote kind of sexiest business. They provide, you know, tech and software for the convenience store space. But talk about something that needs disruption. I was talking to Jake not long ago, kind of about that marketplace that they, or the, the both sided that they provide, where if you own a convenience store, you just don't have a good inventory system or ordering system. And what flummoxes Pepsi and Coke the most is the same thing, right? They don't want to pull a truck up and have somebody just take a look at how many Cokes you have in the display to be able to actually stock in that system. So they have this incredible opportunity around convenience stores that they've really crushed the U.S. market and thinking about going global. And, you know, there's just really, really neat businesses like those here. I totally agree. We've actually had Brian on the podcast and know Jake well. It's a good reminder to make sure to <clears throat> bring him on uh, at some point in the future. He's, he's great and, and both both really great companies. And to your point, something that I think ties back to what you said around Colorado versus Austin is we've just got a history here of building really great, slightly under the radar, legitimately you know durable businesses for the long term. And, and I think something to be, be proud of for the next generation of entrepreneurs. So Ben, we'd lo- love to uh, talk about what your biggest lesson has been, I know there's probably a ton that you've learned bootstrapping the company, growing it to, to where it's gotten and inventing a new industry. But if you had to distill it down to one, what would you say it is? My biggest lesson, I don't ever have a plan to, to write a book, but if I if I ever did, I think it would be something around the, the our bootstrapping journey. It's nuanced because it, there's not one size fits all. When you start a business, you don't necessarily have to take outside capital. But then again, when you start a business, it may not be good fit for bootstrapping that company. And I think it, it's particularly nuanced. For me, there were so many voices in my ear early on to take on outside capital. And there's a great time and a place for it. In our particular case, I resisted and I'm really glad we did until such time that we did. And the number one reason... There's really two, I should say there's two reasons for that. One, it allowed us to control our own destiny, right? Um, and having outside investors, <laughs> you guys know this, right? Given what you do, having outside investors can add a tremendous amount of value, right? I mean, it's nice to have somebody else in the room, somebody else in the boat room, bounce ideas off of. They, they have pattern recognition that you don't necessarily have when you're just looking at your own business. They've got a network that they can bring to the table. So that all stuff's really fantastic. But the flip side is though, too, is I was able to truly kind of make decisions, you know, our own decisions every single step along the way without necessarily having to worry about, you know, other interests in the business. So that led to some some really interesting things for us around, you know, culture and growth. And there were times when we made decisions, which I know probably wouldn't have been popular for investors if we'd done early, like, 
you know, we had a particularly banner year in the third year of the business. And I wanted to give back to our employees. I wanted to give back to our, I wanted to continue to invest in the business, of course, but I also wanted to reward our employees. But I also knew that I didn't know what the fourth year was going to bring. So I couldn't like jack up everybody's salary. So we took the entire company plus a plus one down to Cuba. And it doesn't sound like a ton, but at that time, the size of our business, it was significant. And I'm certain if I had outside investors, they would have said, you know, maybe we should take that money and kind of invest it in R&D or sales, right? But we were able to make decisions like that. Two, when we did our most recent B round, we did a bunch of analysis on companies of our size who did similar types of B rounds, right? And by the way, we raised, you know, $400 million on a multi-billion dollar valuation. We looked at, uh, we got a bunch of data on all those different companies. Our employees owned twice the amount of stock in the business as the next largest. We were able to take that own stock. We were able to take our own capital and actually give back to all the employees that helped us get there along the way for those first seven years, right? And our employees unquestionably are better off for it today and will be better off for it as we look down the road. And it's it's that ability to to really allow at employee level participation in the early stages of the business, which are more difficult to do when you have external yeah. investors. So Ben, um, to that point, sort of more ownership for early employees, right? Huge impact, you know, financially to them. Did that also change the culture in a way in terms of how you managed or how people acted as owners since you guys didn't have outside capital and it was just you guys running it from the start? Unquestionably, right? Unquestionably. When you don't have any pockets to reach into, my, my first, well, now my CFO, but my, you know, joined as my controller, my first kind of senior finance leader, convinced him to come on board for $60,000 a year, right? Which, you know, listen, it's, it's well above the poverty line, but it is not market, right? It is not market for what you pay for somebody of this individual's uh, experience. But we just didn't have any pockets to reach into, right? And so you said, listen, you got to come be a part of the ride, but I, I can't pay you market. But here's the deal. We own all the stock of this business. We're going to be incredibly generous. You know, it's not only going to be an incredible opportunity for you professionally because we're going to come along for this rocket ship because we're starting here and we're going to the moon and it's going to give you an unlimited number of professional opportunities down the road. But two, presuming you know that we eventually get to a place where we can have some sort of liquidity event it will also be incredibly financially rewarding for you and that is absolutely the case and so now you know where you guys are at growth wise and having taken outside capital have there been any things that you've had to do to keep the same culture in place that's led you to be successful so far <laughs> you have to every year you have to work harder is the honest to God answer. We pride ourselves in having an amazing culture here of Velocity Global. I pride myself in it. It's one of the most important things I have and we have. I think that you can go do amazing things, but I think you can also do right by your people every step along the way. And I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. There's a whole world of examples around there of business leaders and entrepreneurs and founders who sway one way versus the other and sacrifice that culture and sacrifice people's well-being just for the success of the business. I don't think you have to do both. I don't think, sorry, I don't think you have to do either. I absolutely believe you can do both. That's been a focus for us. 
but you have to work harder and harder and harder at it as the years go on. Look no further. You know, there was somebody had just posted on our glass door the other day, right? It was clearly kind of a longtime employee. And they made a comment that Ben used to be a good guy. And actually, I think literally is what they said. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to quote it verbatim, but it's something like Ben used to be a good guy. And then investors came in and I don't even know him anymore, kind of sort of thing, right? Maybe it's a huge blind spot, but I, I like to think that I honestly, I haven't changed a whole lot. And my priority is the growth and success of this business right alongside the success of every single person that works here. And that just is unchanged for me, but it's proximity bias, right? And the larger you get and the more layers there are, the more removed you get and the more skepticism that, that, that creeps in. And, and let's be honest with each other, it creeps in both sides, right? If I have a 50 person company, I know what every single one of them are doing at all times. If we have an 800 person company, I don't necessarily, and I don't necessarily always give the benefit of the doubt that I used to as well. So I have to personally work on that myself. But that proximity bias becomes alive and well, particularly as larger as you get. And you have to work harder today than you did the early days of the company. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, Ben. We talk to founders that have built scaled companies like, like you, and this is always the case where inevitably at every step of the journey, you get employees who say, hey, it's not like it used to be, right? It's not like it used to be. And, and I think the right answer there is it isn't what it used to be. And maybe for you, right, your sweet spot is from zero to, to five or whatever it is at the company. And that's great. And we celebrate that. And let's help you find that next zero to five opportunity. But I think really embracing that is something that's, that's important. Have you had any experience doing that so far? <laughs> that's, uh, we'll need another three-hour <laughs> episode just to go through all of that. Absolutely. My, my hat's off to the people who, you know, to thine own self be true, know that best right? Nothing on it. I, I'll be honest with you. Nothing makes me happier than when someone in our company comes to us and says, this has been an amazing run. You know, it's, it's not quite now is not quite where I'm like perfectly comfortable. And I love, I need to get back to that. And by the way, I'm going to use this platform that together one day at a time doing the next right thing, we've given ourselves the opportunity to go do something special go fly, go spread your wings, go back into that space that you love the best and where you're successful. Not everybody has that awareness. And there's times when actually you have to help people see that, right? And those are sometimes hard conversations, but typically end with a thank you that you know what, you're, you're actually right. This thing has changed and it has evolved and it's gotten bigger and this environment isn't quite kind of where I thrive. And thank you for I got an email from a longtime colleague the other day who's recently left us who said just that. It was actually time and I was having a hard time making that decision myself, but I'm incredibly grateful and look at all the things we've accomplished and look what I'm able to go do now because of the work that we've done, that there's nothing more rewarding than that. This is what really is, is galvanizing the Colorado tech startup scene and we'll take it to the next level are people like you and companies like Velocity that really create that next generation of folks who want to go back in and go do what you've done and even go even bigger, right? And, and go totally. do what Egan's done and go even bigger. And it's happening. And, and that's what I talk about. That's what I talk That's what I told our employees from like day one. Come be a part of this rocket ship. For the amount of time that collectively we choose is right for you to be a part of this rocket ship. Maybe it's forever. Maybe this is a whole career. For most people, it's not, right? For most people, it's handful of years or who knows. But use this platform to launch yourself into something amazing. For the time that you hear, fantastic. But let's go do incredible stuff. And I'll tell you what, this is like the best real life case study you'll ever get. 
we're going to go from, you know, bootstrap from zero to hundred plus million in revenue, you know, become a unicorn, you know, we'll not take capital. We will take capital. Come watch and observe and I'll be as transparent as I can be through this entire process. I want you to take all the good stuff and do that. And all of the times we make mistakes, I want you to be watching even more closely. So when it's your turn, you know, you're not making those mistakes, right? And you'll create even a better business than we have. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Ben. Really appreciate appreciate the time and the thoughtfulness. Where can our listeners uh, follow what you're up to with Velocity Global? Yeah, for sure. VelocityGlobal.com. Really straightforward. You know, come check it out. We're pretty active on LinkedIn, Twitter. Yeah, Ben Wright. You can certainly follow me uh, on LinkedIn. Happy to connect. And you know, if we can ever be of support or service as you think about hiring people anywhere, please reach out. We'd love to help. Thanks so much, Ben. 